Okay, there we are. Man, again, we want to welcome you. So glad that you're here. And those that are viewing online, we want to welcome you guys as well. Thanks for joining us. And uh, again, just before we get started, you're probably wondering, why are we in here? Anybody wondered that? Anybody expected this? Anybody not expect this? Show of hands. I mean, this is a, okay, a few people are like, perfect. Well, really, one of the things that we wanted to do, and again, the vision that we had for Saturday night service, and it's kind of cool, for the last, we started last year, March, or yeah, March, so it'll be almost a year coming up in March, uh, we launched, the Lord told us to start a second service, and so as you kind of see the demographic and where we are, uh, one of the options was not to have on two services on a Sunday, uh, just because of the parking and all that kind of stuff, it would just be wild, crazy, not going to happen. Uh, so what the Lord told us is, let's do something on a Saturday night, and the heart behind it is to really do church in a completely different way. And what that really means is if you're looking for kind of a church service, uh, that will be Sunday morning. What Saturday night service, really the heartbeat behind that is really to do church in a completely different way. And the way the Lord showed us was to make it more living room-like. So uh, what we're you know, doing our best to do is make it feel living room-ish. Anybody feel like it's your living room? Right? You can kind of come in, you know, get your, well, keep your shoes on, but, you know, <laughs> you got neighbors that don't want to smell you. But, you know, you grab a coffee, come sit down at a table, you know, just, just enjoy one another's company. And after that, we got food available. We got, we'll have the game on afterwards. So, again, the heartbeat behind this whole thing was really for to do church in a completely different way. Who said church had to be done on a Sunday? Anybody ever said that? Who, who said that? Did Jesus ever tell us just on Sunday? No, we get a church on Monday night. Right? We're going to change it to Monday night soon. I'm just kidding, but I'm just saying that nothing is holding us back. Jesus didn't tell us how to do it. He just told us what to do. So we're here to preach the gospel to every creature. And how we do that, the Lord just leads us in this. So what we're doing is we're just being led of the Lord on how he wants to do this. And so we want to thank you again for coming. This is the first one. we got a few kinks that you can see we're going to get working on and kind of figure it out as we're going along. Uh, but we're also going to be upgrading a new sound system in there. So therefore, we'll be getting an upgraded sound system in here. So we're taking care of the whole thing. So it's going to be looking good. It's going to be sounding good. And so that's the whole heartbeat behind this. And also for Saturday nights to be done in a different way. Not always it's going to be just, you know, an individual, somebody coming here and speaking. We may have panels. We'll have interview styles. There'll be so many different avenues that we can do church. Just because our heartbeat, as you just saw, is to get the word out. So any type of way that we can do it, that's what we're interested in doing. Anybody okay with that? Yeah, we're excited about that. Anybody interested in just making Saturday night their church? Okay. The rest of you are just trying to figure this out. Like, I'm smelling my neighbor. They're a little too close. Well, you know, we'll have deodorants in the bathrooms from now on. You can just throw some pit stick at them and we'll take care of it. But, uh, you know what, we're going to continue on. And for those of you who have not been with us since uh, December when we kind of, you know, stopped Saturday nights to relaunch again here now, uh, we are on a series and we're talking about getting rooted. So anybody brought their Bibles with them this evening? Awesome. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to launch here. Anybody like the chandelier? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, that's like, that's, that's the hot spot. I was looking, man, I'm going to get a spot right there underneath that chandelier. Just looks cool. You kind of look, when you're sitting underneath it, it just looks like, oh, they're like royalty underneath there. So it just, it's got that whole feel. <clears throat> and again, before we start, I just want to say a big thank you to our team who made this whole thing put together. They, they redid the hole out here. Terry painted. I mean, there's a ton of work had been going on just to make this place feel homey. So thank you so much, team, for all that you guys did. And I know Jordy spent countless hours to try to make the sound system work here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. It looks awesome, sounds awesome. Can we just give them a hand for a sec? Like, they went really went over above. Thank you. Awesome. 
So one of the things that we're talking here is just to get rooted. Everybody say with me, rooted. rooted. We're getting our roots established. We're getting them firm, deeply planted in Jesus. And uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, in the Message Bible, I'll just uh, throw it at you here. It just says, to be mature is to be basic. And now the word mature, if you actually look that through, it simply means is to reach advanced stages and to become fully developed. Anybody interested in becoming fully developed? Anybody interested in reaching advanced stages in their walk with the Lord? Man, I, I want that. I crave that. How do I get there? What's my steps to going that direction? It says to be mature is to be basic. Everybody say basic. So nothing just this brand new, oh, this huge revelation. I got to figure this brand new thing out. No, to be mature is to be basic. Anybody like basic knowledge? I, I enjoy that. I, I, I desire that. Looking for, you know, people have, may have crazy, you know, questions and things out there, but the answer is always simple. And that's what I love about Jesus. That's what I love about Christianity is those that don't really know God, they think religion is some kind of weird, crazy, hard to understand thing. Jesus is very simple. Religion, which is man, mankind's way of getting to God, complicates things. But Jesus himself is very simple, and that's why we serve this amazing man, right? So, you know, before, and one of the things that the Lord told us, in order to properly move forward, we have to be rooted in the basics. We got to know the basics. We got to get grounded and rooted in them. You may have heard it a thousand times, but until you're actually living it out, it's not rooted on the inside of you where you're living it out. We want to get to the place where the word becomes second nature to us. Right? We don't have to think about it and go, what do I do in this situation? No, we're going to go, what does the Word say about my situation? And I start making progress that way. We've got to get rooted in this message, right? So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and I have it. I'm going to read it to you from the Voice Bible. I don't know if we have it up there or not. It, it may be. You'll see it. No, just New Living. Okay, it just says this in verse 6. Now that you have welcomed the Anointed One, Jesus the Lord, into your lives. Who's done that? You've welcomed Jesus into your heart. Okay. That's good news. That's a good place to be. Now he says, continue to journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. Now notice what he tells us, to continue the journey. How many know your walk with the Lord is a journey? Did you know that? You don't just arrive, all of a sudden you've accepted Jesus, you've heard a few good things and okay, I finally got it. No, this is a journey that you and I are part of. This is what we're on. And he says, now let your lives be shaped by him. Anybody ever shape anything before? Maybe it's, any, yeah, show me how. What, what did you do? What did you shape? Clay. Right? What is it? You're, you're, the, you're, you're the boss. You're kind of shaping this thing. Well, this is what the Lord wants to do with your life. He wants to get you in his hands so he can shape you the way that he created you to be. So what I like about this, the really good news is, is that I don't have to shape myself. Because if you think about it, you know, the millennial generation. Any millennials in here? Whoop, whoop. Come on, put them up here, y'all. Ernie, don't lie. All right, I just... If you're a millennial, keep your hands up. If, uh, Jordy, what year is that? Like 80... 85? 85-ish and... Anybody 85? You're 85. Okay, yeah, there we go. Well, you know, if my, in, in our generation, the 85s and, you know, up a little bit, well, one of the things you do notice is that they actually have a lot of anxiety, a lot of panicking, a lot of worry. Anybody ever notice that? Right? And what is one of the main reasons why is because they have been shown and hear so many different things. Is Man, you got to make your life. Make something good of your life. Don't waste your life. And they get kind of scared by that going, How? Can somebody just show me how to do this thing and that I'll live it out? You know, our job is not trying to figure out our life. Our life has already been made in Christ. So this is what he's saying. Let him shape your life. 
Isn't that wonderful news? You're not here trying to figure this new thing out. You're not trying to get anything shaped. You just got to go to him and he's already got it shaped for you. Isn't that wonderful news? So in a relationship, your journey, your relationship with Jesus, he's going to shape you and mold you into the man or woman that he's called you to be. Rock on. Can I get a fist bump for that? Rock on. Okay. Remember, this is going to be church done a little differently. So you may have to fist bump. You may have to, you know, different things. Anyways, verse 7. Then he says, let your roots grow down deeply into him and let, you, let him build you up on a firm foundation. Be strong in faith just as you were taught and always spill over with thankfulness. So notice this word again, verse 7 in this one. It says, let your roots grow. You got to let them go down. Right? God's not going to come in and force you into the word saying, know my word. Get to know this thing. Get in there. Get in there. Get in there. He's not going to do that. You have to let yourself go in there. You're going to have to put yourself in there. Can you see that? So he's saying, let your roots. Everybody say, let my roots. Let my roots. This is an act of your will. God's not going to force you. Your wife, your husband, your best friend ain't going to push you into it. This is something that you have to do. you got to let your roots grow down. Because the result is, man, you get Jesus and you get his results. That's what we want, right? I want Jesus' results. Again, I'm just laying this foundation. So this is what we're all here talking about, is getting rooted and established in him. Now, the mission here at this church is the lost get saved, the saved get established, and the established get going. So the lost get saved. What does that mean? People that don't know Jesus, we want to introduce them to this loving Jesus that cares about them, that's here for them, that desires a relationship with them. This is not religion. This is relationship. So how we do that? We showcase Jesus. And how do you get saved? By accepting Jesus Christ as Lord into your heart, right? Right? Okay. Now, after that, you've just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It doesn't end there. It actually now begins here. So at this place now, what we want to do is now the saved get established. What does established mean? Rooted. You got it. Rooted. Come on, say it with me. Roots. You get your roots. You get grounded in this thing. Once you've accepted Jesus, now what? Now it's time to get... Once you get saved, what do you do now? Get established. Another word, what we're talking about is getting... Come on, say it like you mean it. Rooted. Man, I'm getting rooted. So anybody asks you, well, what are you doing these days? Man, I'm getting rooted. Anybody going to do that? Okay. A few people, no, that's just weird. Well, no, this is what we're doing. We're getting rooted in Him. And once, you know, somebody gets rooted and founded in who he is in Jesus and who Jesus is in him, what do they need to be doing? Get going. Do something with it, right? Impact somebody else's life. That's what we're here for. Amen? Okay, I'm glad we're pumped about that. Okay, so now we get established by spending quality time in God's word. Because his word is what? His thoughts. His word is his thoughts. His word is his presence. The word and God are inseparable. They are the exact same. When you see the word, when you're in the word, guess who you're spending time with? You're spending time with Jesus. Because as you know, in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus, he is the word made flesh. So anytime you're hanging out with the word, guess what? You're not just hanging out with a book. You're hanging out with a man. Think about that for a moment. You got a living man on your lap right now or on the table, wherever you're sitting. For those of you that sorry that didn't have a seat on that you know cute little backstage back there, you have a man on your lap. He's there. Amen. Okay. So now, Second Corinthians five seventeen, 
He says this, Therefore, if anyone is united with the Anointed One, that person is a new creation. The old life is gone, and see, a new life has begun. So what has just begun? A new life. So you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What happens to you? You become a brand new person. Everybody say brand new. Brand new. new. The old life, what happened to the old life? It's gone. It's gone. It's not here. It's completely wiped away. That old life is gone and behold, the fresh and the new has come. Now what do we want as Christians? We want to see the change that's happened on the inside. We want to see it manifested on the outside, right? Now how do we see that happen? What is going to take place is this thing called the renewing of our minds. Because you are a three-part being. You are a spirit being. You have a soul which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you also got, what else? This body, right? How many of you got, you got a body? You need a body in order to be on this earth. And it's a good-looking body, might I say, what I'm looking at. This is, this is nice to look at. Thank you. <laughs> but spiritually speaking, you've been made brand new. So what's going to have to, in order to see this inward man be seen on the outside, we're going to have to now call what the Bible calls renewing of the mind. We're going to have to have a new belief system. We're going to have to have a new thinking process that lines up with God and His Word to see it working out and the, and the external. Right? That makes sense? Okay, so I want to show you this. Colossians chapter 1, you're still in Colossians, just flip over a page. Go to verse 13. And I know for those of you that have been coming for the last few weeks and since January we launched this is a little bit repetitive but it's good you got to get rooted in this thing Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 it says this for he has everybody say he has no not he's going to do not someday he will no he has meaning right now past tense what has he done he has rescued us let's make it personal he has rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and he has transferred me into the kingdom of his dear son. How did he do it? Verse 14 goes on to say, who purchased our freedom and he forgave our sins. So I want you to look again, verse 13 for a moment. There's a few things I want you to notice. Two parts in this is number one is that he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. We were all part of that kingdom. Every single one of us was born into the kingdom of darkness. Now what is the kingdom of darkness? How does it operate? What's it like? The kingdom of darkness operates by fear, offer, lives by anxiety, right? The sense realm, it's driven by the sense realm. You are limited to your five physical senses. What you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you can touch, what you can hear. You are limited in the kingdom of darkness. This is how it operates. It's just by the sense realm. It's driven by fear, driven by anxiety, driven by hate, right? You can see all this. It's prevalent in the world around us. Can you not see that? Right? The kingdom of darkness, it's all around us. So this is the kingdom that we are part of. And I'm so glad it says this, is that he has rescued us from that kingdom. He rescued us. You are free and you are not limited now to your five physical senses. There's a brand new realm yet that's open and available for you and I. Isn't that good news? You're not stuck to just what you can see. It can be changed. How? By another dimension that we're going to talk a little bit about. Man, I'm thankful for this Jesus. He rescued me from the kingdom of darkness. I'm rescued from hate. That means I'm rescued from anxiety. Hello, somebody. Did you know that we don't have to be anxious people at all? In fact, Jesus commands us, do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. I'm free from worry. I'm free from care. How come? Because I've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. 
And what has happened to me? I have now been transferred where? Come on, where have I been transferred? Into the kingdom of his dear son. What kingdom is that? The kingdom of his dear son. That's not just heaven, but it's a domain. It's a way of operating. It's a way of doing business. I've been brought into a brand new kingdom called the kingdom of God's dear son. And in this kingdom, God's grace rules. It operates completely by the grace and mercy of God. And how do I live now? I have to live in this kingdom trusting His grace. I believe His grace. I know it's good. So I have to live by faith in this kingdom. Right? I'm not living by my sight. I'm living by now what He says. So where does it become frustrating for Christians? Is when you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness, which is ruled by your five physical senses, which is dominated by fear, anxiety, and worry. Meanwhile, I've been taken out of that kingdom, but now I'm planted in this new kingdom, but I'm still thinking in that old kingdom. This is where it becomes frustrating. Why am I not seeing the results? Why am I not experiencing God the way that I'm supposed to? It's because my mindset now is still stuck in the kingdom of darkness, and God is not in the kingdom of darkness at all. He ain't there. He freed us from that. So a lot of times people are asking, God, can you just come take, you know, free me, God, deliver me, get me out of this situation. He's saying, I already did. So now what do we need to do? We need to have a new thought process to go, oh, this is actually what happened to me and believe that I've actually been transferred into this kingdom now. So change your life, right? This will change everything about the way you live. Still good? Okay. And how did I get into this kingdom? Listen, for those of you that maybe, you know, deal with, oh, I'm not worthy enough, I don't belong in this kingdom. Verse 14 tells us very clearly, He purchased our freedom and He forgave all of our sins. You are worthy, of, you are worthy to be in that kingdom. You belong there. You, that's, God wants you there. Why? It's not based on what you do. It's not based on the, being a good person. It's completely based on the kindness of our God. He sent Jesus to die on the cross and so He snatched you out of it when you called on His name and He put you in here and said, you're worthy. You are worthy of every promise. You are worthy of every blessing that God has to offer. Well, based on what I've done? No, based on what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Awesome. Okay. So, kind of got through that. Now, our relationship with God. Now, again, talking about the kingdom of God's dear son. In this kingdom, how does it operate? How does it function? In this spot, the conversation, the relationship now I have with God is a relationship of grace and faith. The same way that I mean, when you get into any kind of new relationship. Then when you first get married, one of the things that I had to learn is communicate. Anybody else have to have to grow on that? Okay, me and three other. Okay, few, okay, thank you for your honesty. That's awesome. Right? There's the thing you got to learn how to communicate. Well, in the kingdom of God's dear son, there's a brand new way of communicating. It's completely. In this, I mean, you can just talk your flesh. You can just say whatever you want to say and, you know, blah, 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 this, all this side. But when you get into God's now kingdom... There's a new way of operating. There's a new way to have a relationship with God. And it's based entirely on grace and faith. Everybody say it with me. Grace and faith. This is the relationship with God now is grace and faith. I want this to change the way that you pray even. The way you commune with God. The way you think about God. Because grace is always the initiation. He always starts it. Grace always says the first word. So what does faith do when grace says something? You just go, I believe it. So for example, those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, grace spoke to you and said, I love you, I gave myself for you. What did faith do? I believe that. Come into my heart, I believe that. 
That was the transaction. Can you see how simple that was? So what we need to focus on in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of God's dear son, is now I have to focus and major on the grace of God. Can you see this? It's about the grace of God and faith becomes easy. It's simply a response to what grace says. Let me give you a few scriptures just to kind of prove this. In throughout the New Testament, you see over and over in Acts chapter 13, you guys can just put that on there. Acts chapter 13, this is Paul and he's, he's in this, uh, you know, in the synagogue and he's doing a great uh, preaching. He's sharing the, the gospel of Jesus and he's laying out in front of all these religious Jewish leaders. He's talking to them all. Right? I mean, he, he lays out the whole thing. This is what God did in Adam. This is what he did in Abraham. And blah, 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 down the list. And then he starts explaining, this is what God did in his son, Jesus Christ. And verse, chapter 13, verse 43, right after he's done preaching. Now, I don't want you to notice, this is what Paul says to all of a sudden. A group came around him and said, man, can you come back next week and preach that same message? I need to hear this. Right? You can see people get excited when you start talking about the grace of God. It gets exciting because you hear how much God did it for you. Right? Thank you so much, Terry. I'm sounding a little croaky. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. So verse 43 says, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to what? Continue to rely on the grace of God. So you and I, we are commanded and told to continue to what? Rely on the grace of God. But yeah, I'm born again. I'm saved. That doesn't mean that's over. What is your and my life? What do we continue need to be doing? To rely on the grace of who? Of God. Why? Because now that you're in this kingdom, this whole kingdom is operating how? By what? Grace and? In order to have faith, grace has to be saying something. You can't just have faith apart from grace. It's impossible. So grace is always the initiation. And Paul even commands these guys, rely. Everybody say rely. What does that mean? You lean in. You jump on board. I mean, if I could, I'd jump on this couch. Rely on the grace of God. Throw your entire life existence on the grace of God. Man, you need to know my next direction. I need to know what, what job I'm supposed to take. I need to know what relationship I'm supposed to encounter. Rely on what? The grace of God. How, am I, how do I raise my kid in this kind of society? I rely on what? The grace of God. This is my life. I rely on this. Can you see this? It's not about just me having faith. Oh, I got this. No, I have to rely on grace. That's where my faith rests is in His grace. Right? Number two. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, it says this, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. We're also commanded to excel in what? Grace. We're supposed to excel in what? Grace. Excel in it. Go forward in it. Next verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. In the Passion Bible says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by what? God's free-flowing grace. Other translations say, be strong in the grace that you have through Jesus Christ. We're supposed to what? Be strong in this grace. So what kind of people are we? We are grace people. We are also faith people. But this is where I'm relying. I'm relying on the grace of God. And last verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is just before Peter 
is supposed to be hung on the cross upside down. These were some of his final words that he told his believers. He said this, continue to grow and increase in what? God's grace. He says, continue in it. What does that mean? Don't, don't put it aside. Don't just leave it. Oh, I got saved. I accepted Jesus. Okay, it's all good. No, now I need to continue to grow in it and to increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory both now and until the day eternity begins. Amen. This life that we're in, the day that we are in, is a day of grace. This day isn't going to last forever. There's coming a day, and it's called Judgment Day. That day is coming. But for now, we are in what? What kind of day are we in? We are in the day of grace. Aren't you thankful for that? Is it hard for people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and come into the kingdom? No. Why? Because it's a day of grace. God isn't up, up in heaven smacking people, beating them up, and been throwing a bunch of judgment at people. No. What is He doing? He's extending His grace constantly. Every single moment. We read this last week. I mean, if you, didn't, if you weren't here for the past week, I encourage you, please go online, get our podcast, listen to those, because you can hear about what grace is doing now. It's actively reaching for people anywhere that it possibly can. Grace is a world traveler looking to reach people. That's what he's doing. Amen? So now, how is grace expressed? There's five different ways that grace is expressed. Number one, are you ready? I'm going to just read these out real quick to you. Number one is saving grace. Because when you hear the word grace, people kind of think, man, you can just shotgun that thing. It's everywhere. What is grace? How can you define it? How can we make this more simpler? It, God's grace is expressed in five different ways. And before I just actually read that, we need to define what is grace. Somebody tell me, what is grace? Undeserved favor. And I want to just amplify that a little bit. Uh, grace defined undeserved, unearned favor of God. Grace is, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down, think on it. Grace is the essence of who God is and is the basis for how He acts on our behalf. So anytime God acts on your and my behalf, how does He act? Does He act angrily? Come on, somebody. People think God is angry at them. How does He act on your and my behalf? How does He do it? He is gracious. He is gracious towards you. Yeah, but I screwed up. Does that mean God's grace is no longer extending His arm towards you? Oh, you have no idea what I did. Yeah, we all screwed this thing up. <laughs> but what instead? God's grace is being extended towards us. Okay? So again, grace is the essence of who He is and is the basis for how He acts on our behalf. Next, His grace is also the empowering force behind who we become and all we are enabled to do for Him. Grace, can I just simply say, grace is everything. <laughs> In order to... God is God moving on our behalf, but grace at the same time is also how you and I are going to do anything good for Him. So listen, we're going to be doing good work for God. How do we do that? His grace is going to help us do it. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. What really, what do we offer? Nothing. It means absolutely nada. Okay, so these are the different areas. Grace is expressed. Number one, saving grace. He's going to read a definition. God's power and ability to justify you, to forgive you, and to make you new creatures in Christ Jesus. Number two, sanctifying grace is number two. What is sanctifying grace? It again is God's power and ability to purify us and to enable us to live 
holy lives in a corrupt world. It's not about just stop doing bad things. Stop drinking. Stop looking at porn. Stop smoking. It's more than just stop it. What is grace? It is God's power and ability to empower you so you don't do it. Because anybody ever try? I'm going to stop doing this. I'm not going to do this again. Oh, man, I promise I'll never do that again. And you last three days. Anybody go past three days? Didn't think so. Okay. So what is grace? Grace is going to empower you to do it. So can you see this? This is not about religion where you got to stop doing this and stop doing that. Grace is simply saying, here, I'm here to empower you to live this way. Man, isn't that good news? Woo! I know we can't run around here, but we can do jumping jacks or something, right? It's that grace is available. Number three, strengthening grace. Again, it is God's power and God's ability to energize and inspire us to live victoriously, to reign over the challenges and circumstances in life. How do you get over the crisis of life that comes at you? How do you get over it? Do you just wallow in it and go, oh, God, just going to take me out. I don't know what else I'm going to do. No, how do you reign over top of this? It's by what? His strengthening grace. Can you see God's got y'all covered? He's got the whole thing covered. Number four is sharing grace. God's power and ability to meet our needs and to take joy in giving to others. So if giving is a really difficult thing for you, let me encourage you, when you get a hold of God's giving grace, you can't help but become a giver. Right? This, who is God? He is a what? Giver. That's who He is. For God so loved the world that He gave Jesus. God has no problem giving at all. So if you and I want to be like God, to be givers, what do I need to know? I need to know His giving or His sharing grace. All right, so can you just review real quick? What's number one? Saving. Saving grace. Number two? Sanctifying grace. Number three? Strengthening grace. Number four? Sharing grace. And lastly, number five, is serving grace. This is God's power and ability to serve Him and others with His divinely imparted gifts. What I'm doing right now is not my own ability. Because again, public speaking is not a big, big thing for me. I don't real do well with words. I make up words. I don't spell properly all the time. So what do I got? I have His grace to empower me to do it. I said this last time. I, I expect the grace of God every time I come up here to present the Word of God to people. It's an honor. It's a privilege. But I expect the grace to meet me every time I stand up. Why? Because if it's just me, you'd be bored out of your mind. <laughs> I got awkward. Okay. <laughs> and same with the worship team, right? Worship team, where y'all are here? What do you expect on to do it? Grace. You expect the grace to do it. How can you have see, see such wonderful people standing at the front door, shivering cold, and they're saying hi to you as you walk in? That's listen. People kind of go, "Oh, that's just what I what I am. That's what I do." No, these women are operating in their grace. When you see people dominating the tech side of things, which is totally law to me, what are they working in? They are working in their grace. So grace isn't just for people who preach. That, man, that's, that's a small part of what the kingdom is. Grace is here to, so that we can serve one another. I see Marie back there nodding her head. She's the one that makes this building all clean. What is she operating in? Grace. And what is it? It's to serve one another. My grace is not for me. It's to serve everybody else. Your grace, when I hear Aaron sing, it's not for Aaron. I get a joy, I get a kick out of it. Whenever the worship team is strumming a guitar, banging a drum, belting out the next note, it's not for them, it's for us. 
Aren't you thankful? I mean, I could stand out here and start singing if you wanted to, but that grace ain't there and it ain't going to be a blessing to you. Just, oh, shut that guy up. Quick. Yeah, I know. The grace has to be there. So no grace, no flow. It ain't going to work, right? Okay. So this is what I want to finish up. The last little bit that I have here is who gets grace? Who gets it? Isn't that a good question to ask? So we see this grace, this saving grace, uh, sanctifying, strengthening, sharing, serving. Okay, I can see it encompasses a huge part of all parts of my life. Who gets grace now? Who gets it? Because we saw those five expressions. Is the grace of God for everyone? Yes. Is God withholding grace from anybody on this earth? No. He's been so gracious, but not everybody gets the grace. Not everybody gets to experience it. Why? Well, you're going to find out. Ready? James chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, He continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God, what does He do? I, I really want you to see this. Now, what is grace to you in my life? What is grace? It is everything. It's my strength. It's my sanctification. It's my sharing. It's my serving. I need grace to function and operate. In my home as a husband, what do I need? I need grace to be a husband to my wife. I need grace to parent and raise up my children. I need that. So if I don't have grace, what am I left with? I'm left with Joel's thinking. I'm left with Joel's ideas. I'm left with Joel's, you know, ways of doing things. How is that going to turn out? You can tell me. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not going to get sensitive to it. How is it going to turn out? It's going to go very, very poorly, is it not? So what do I need? I need grace. So who gets grace? As we see here, God, he resists when you are what? Proud. But notice, he continually pours out grace to the humble. Notice what is he doing? He's continually pouring out what? Grace. To the humble. I know you've heard this a thousand times. And we're going to get into this in the next couple weeks. It's just talking about pride and humility. Because if we are stuck in pride, what is actually happening to you and I? What, what's, what's going on? Are we getting grace? No. So let me, just, let me just bring out this reality to you. You are either being opposed by God or you are experiencing or receiving His grace. In your life as a believer... Because the word, actually, if you look at it, go back to James chapter 4, verse 6. You can just leave it there for a moment. <clears throat> God resists. That word, if you actually just dictionary it on your phone, just check it out with that word resist or the word oppose. And it comes out as this. It means to actively resist or refuse. <laughs> Anybody interested in God refusing or resisting them? No, it actually means that he actually stands in a guard to come and attack. I don't want God, I need Him. I don't want God coming against me. <laughs> Can you see that? He's actively resisting the who? The proud. And pride goes into so many areas. But why does God hate pride? Think about it, just like shout it out at me. We're, we're, we're good, this is a living room, talk to me. It comes above you. You put yourself above God, is that what you said? You put yourself above God. What else? What else would you say? Why, why does God hate pride? It's self-reliant. Completely self-reliant. Anything else come to mind? Takes away His glory. Absolutely. And is God going to share His glory with anybody? No. 
Anything else? I mean, what is the nature of the devil himself? He is a being of pride. That's who he is. He is, I mean, if you think about it, he is the most arrogant. He is the most big-headed punk that's out there who ever roamed the earth. He thinks he's got it all. He thinks he knows it all. And on top of it, pride actually operates in deception. He thinks he's this way. He legitimately thinks that he's the man, not realizing that he's going down. Pride goes into so many, we'll, we'll get into that later, but I just wanted to lay this foundation. Who gets grace? Those who humble themselves. Now, I want to just quickly give you the, real quickly what, what humble is. Humility simply is, is to bow low, to make yourself low. Now, notice this. Nobody does this for me. It's what I do of myself. Nobody forces me to be humble. God doesn't even force me to be humble. I lower myself. And in a generation that we live in, what does everybody want? They want the top. They want to be seen. They want to be recognized. It's me. It's me. It's me. The pride of life is what's killing numerous, not just the world, but Christians. They're going, why am I not hearing from God? Why am I not seeing anything happen in my life? Can I just give you one clue to this? Pride. Right? It goes into so many things. You know, worry really in some degree is a form of pride. You think about it, man. Well, I, I'm nervous about this. Thinking about that, my worrying for you should either impress you or should make God go and do something about the situation. He says to cast all of my care on him because he cares. So if you're operating in any kind of pride, let me just be very frank and real clear with this. God is actually opposing you. So does that mean is there grace available? There is no grace available. Does he still love you? Yeah, he loves you. But listen, he has now had to set himself up because he cannot operate with pride with all the reasons that we just heard. Because you're self-reliant, because you're trying to take his glory away, and because you're put elevating yourself above what he can do and who he is. He actually has to put himself in this place saying, I got to resist this because this is not how we do things. Because again, this is the kingdom of God's dear son. Can you see that? But on the other hand, those who are humble saying, Lord, and now the thing about humility is, is they operate in truth, in reality. Now, does, like, there's, a, there's a false humility. We'll, we'll get into this in weeks. But true humility just simply recognizes this is who I am. This is who I am in Jesus. This is who Jesus is in me. Is it possible that you could be bold, strong, and humble? Yeah. I mean, you look at Jesus. He says, I'm, I am the meekest of the bunch. Come follow me. I'm meek at heart. I'm humble at heart. Wasn't well, that kind of prideful to say? Not if it's true. Like, here's the reality. I can't, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do anything. Well, that sounds kind of arrogant. No, that's just, that's actually humility because that's truth. Humility operates in truth. And so we're going to get into that. I'm not going to take time going in. But again, I want to just answer this question. Who gets grace? People who humble themselves before the Lord. Who does not get grace? Those that are proud, thinking, I got this. This is mine. I got this. So I'm going to call just the, the team.